Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our own humanity. Anne Rice's Mayfair Witch's latest episode, Curiouser and Curiouser, explored some key themes and maybe battle lines could be drawn between those in Lasher's camp and those against it. I spoke to Beth Grant, who plays Carlotta in this series, about her character's choices in protecting the Mayfair family. We'll get started in a moment. Before my conversation with Beth Grant, just to let you know, she has a Star Trek connection. You'll hear us talking about it at the end of the interview. Here is Beth Grant. Beth, I, I really have been a fan of yours for quite some time. Really oh, thank so you. enjoyed your work. I mean, to do drama, comedy, I mean, you just, you can do everything. And boy, Carlotta, actors would say this is a plum part. I'm telling you, this takes the cake, right? Yes. Carlotta takes the cake. Of all the roles I've done, I feel like, okay, now I can retire. Because, (laughs) I mean, seriously, she's kind of everything. She's got it all. And uh, I'm, I'm so glad that you can appreciate what that means to me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, what's interesting about her is at first, we're not sure which side does she land. Is she a good person? Is she a bad person? <laughs> My inclination is that she's actually a good person. Thank you. <laughs> but, but her methods seem a little bit to be desired. So I will say that. I mean, everybody has shades and she certainly has that. Well, she loses herself, doesn't she? Yeah. I mean, she loses herself in her desperation and her greed. I mean, you could say as well, but it's also this thing of just you can't control the world. You can't. You're lucky if you can control yourself. And she's trying to control everything. And it never works out ever. I've been married three times. I know. (laughs) I finally quit trying to control and I got a happy marriage. But, um, you know, I love that uh, Alexandra's, I mean, Rowan is um, a sailor. Because to me, that's kind of the hero's journey. I grew up as a sailor in North Carolina. And it, you go out on any given day, you don't know what you're going to get with that wind. You might get stuck on some island somewhere on the intercoastal waterway. You know, you just don't know. And you can some days you run free on the way there and you run free on the way back. And other days you're tacking and you think, wait, this doesn't make sense. Why am I doing the same thing coming and going? But the fact that she is a sailor, and it seems like to me a good sailor, she's intuitive, she's brilliant, she's navigating in a man's world. I think she is well uh, skilled to take on Lasher and to take on this dynasty. <laughs> she may at times not think of it as a dynasty, but, you know, I think that she's she's well equipped for it. Uh, and why did I get off on that subject? Oh, no. <laughs> Fantastic, really. <laughs> but, you know, I think what happens to Carlotta is that she isn't equipped to handle it. You know, she's her mother is a witch and, and was a powerful witch. And I, you might even say did some evil things. She certainly used Lasher for, uh, you know, bad purposes. And so she wants to be a good girl. And she you know, uh, is jealous of Antha, jealous of Stella, jealous of Cortland. 
um, you know, Shakespeare wrote about it uh, as well as Anne Rice, you know, jealousy. It doesn't work. Sibling rivalry. And they're mm-hmm. in any family. I keep referring to this as mythology. I hope that doesn't offend anybody because it, it, uh, great storytelling, I'll say. Ha- we have to have archetypes so that we can see ourselves through them. And I guess that's what always appealed to me about Carlotta. I saw myself in her. I saw my own jealousy of my younger brother. I saw my own uh, jealousy of other actresses, my greed of wanting mine. Where's mine? And, you know, I could go through all the seven deadly sins here (laughs) and tell you why I identify so much with Carlotta. And I wanted so much to have that vehicle to put all of my pain into and to be able to hopefully help shine a light on those things for, you know, people watching the show. And so, gosh, yeah, very exciting to be able to play her. Very exciting for me. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, what's really cool about this particular episode is, and people will see this, I'm not going to spoil anything, but essentially what's going on here is really, for the first time, you really see a battle between good and evil and Rowan is right in the middle and she's got to make a choice. And, you know, it's so interesting. That's such a great theme. And also for the first time, you get to see a little bit of, of Carlotta's relationship with Cortland. And that was fascinating too, to see that. Talk about kind of, you know, trying to guide her a little bit, but there are other forces at work, obviously. Yeah. Well, you know, it's so relatable to me with, as I say, a younger brother and at the funeral, you know, uh, kind of pushing him out of the way a little bit. And he why is he taking all that time up there at the coffin? And and then uh, when, you know, Rowan walks in, I'm shooting down that aisle and bringing her up to the you know coffin and inviting her to the house. And I think I really, you know, love her and I feel maternal for her. And I I may be taken aback by her because I didn't know, you know, what she was going to look like when I first see her at that elevator. You know, she doesn't come to the house, but then she does come to the funeral. And then I invite her again and she shows up and I get that time alone with her when I get to warn her. There are people in this family that are going to lie to you. I'm the good guy. Trust me. And then I get excited and I trust her and I send her off to the house and I think I've got her. She's on my side. You know, I won over Cortland because he had her out in the garden. But then I come in and I get in the way and, you know, give her the rosary. And I think I've got her on my side. And then daggone it, I get up there and there she is with the necklace. She's got it on and she's touching herself sensually and she Lasher's got her. Yeah. And I have lost once again, and I've lost the most precious jewel of all. And um, so I, I don't know. I think that I don't I don't want any harm to come to her. And that's why I get lost in this. I'm, I'm in I'm tortured by what I might have to do. Yeah. And if you if you at the dining table, I it's not like, oh, well, I've decided I'm going to kill her. Nothing like that. I certainly don't want to burn the house down. I think that I'm tortured and I go into this crazy prayer and it takes over me. Fanaticism, you know, it's the fanaticism that wins. And so yeah. in her desperation, she loses herself to this, 
you know, ritualistic fanaticism, the sense of she thinks she knows what's right, what's wrong, and she's lost. And it's sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, poor Carlotta, really. Yes. There is more with Carlotta herself, Beth Grant on Sci-Fi Talk, talking about Anne Rice's Mayfair Witches in a moment. Let's get back to more with Beth Grant. One of the things that was, well, among some of the things she's done that was disturbing is I will just say that what she does with Delphine was very, very, it took me back. It took me back. That was a tough one. But I mean, I understood why she did it. I just wouldn't have done it that way. (laughs) And I don't think, I mean, this is just me. Uh, Who knows what really was in her heart, but I don't think she knew that that's what was going to happen. I mean, Lasher had, has bound himself to hundreds of thousands, probably people over the generations. And it it doesn't end so violently and suddenly. I mean, it makes you think that Lasher is also desperate. You know, I think that when she's sitting there and she hears that pounding, I think she is devastated because even though she might not, she may think of her as, you know, Deidre's nurse and not an equal, she still cares for her. Yeah. You know, you don't live in a house with someone for 42, well, she didn't live there, but, you know, 42 years, that intimate level, and she trusts her. And she, I think she's devastated that this is her violent end. I don't think she expects that. So yeah, that was that threw me. That threw me. Oh, it's horrible. It's, it was yeah. hard for me to watch. In fact, I mean, I've seen it a couple of times, but the other night when we were watching it, I got up and went to the kitchen. I just couldn't. I listened, <laughs> but I couldn't watch it again. And my brother is just going, "Oh my god!" He said from the very like when I. <laughs> Grab uh, Deirdre and I shake her and then I smile. He said, I know that evil smile. <laughs> you know, he saw that in me, <laughs> that suppressed anger coming out and then smiling passive aggressively, you know, but I didn't think of any of those things. Those weren't intellectual choices. They were things that just happened in the moment. So cool. I loved working with that, uh, you know, actress. I just, uh, Deneen uh, Tyler, she's yeah. just, uh, terrific, fabulous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of great actors, this is, I, I, for lack of a better word, this is kind of a gumbo of things. There's the cast, which is fabulous. Everybody is so good. Mr. Houston, Cleefy, everything you can imagine. And, uh, and then part of that gumbo is New Orleans itself and that house. So it's like, I mean, it must be so easy to get into character when you're there and you're playing in that playground. Well, it helped me so much. I grew up in the, uh, you know, old South in the deep South in Georgia. And my grandmother had a dilapidated, lived in a dilapidated old home and uh, they had walled off the stairwell. And I was always wondering what ghosts were lurking up there. And, you know, they had divided into apartments. And so it really is part of my heritage. I really understood that. And when we first got to New Orleans, I think maybe first I went for a costume fitting and then drove over to find the house where we were shooting. And the production designer was there and they were the art people. And I as soon as I drove up, I said, oh, my God. I mean, it, mine was antebellum. My grandmother's house was a colonial style, so it was different. But it was the same. It was the wow. same feeling. So right away, I knew I was home. I, I mean, I had no problem understanding that home. And, wow. and yeah, it's definitely a character for me and something that 
I feel, you know, this visceral connection to and a visceral connection to New Orleans, too. I'd only been there once before. My father was there. I have postcards of where when he stayed at the Monteleone Hotel, I think. And my mother was there on Victory Day. She was taking classes at LSU. And so I had this, you know, direct family connection. Plus, I was there. I was doing a Maya Angelou play and I had taken a train there. And so I really kind of know New Orleans. And then, you know, to be there for that length of time and be able to go to Audubon Park and to be able to, you know, go sit on the fly on the levee on the Mississippi River and watch the sunset. I mean, it helped me so much, but in ways that I can't really intellectually put into words, just this kind of physical I'm home. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's an amazing place. I do have to say that I'm actually speaking from our apartment in charlotte north carolina right now oh yeah so I live in charlotte yeah i love charlotte it's a great city i lived, great, in, great city. Uh, I lived in eastover and then uh we moved out in the suburbs but yeah i i lived there for a few years before we moved to wilmington and then i went to grew up in wilmington wow yeah we uh we're in we're in the elizabeth section of uh oh. of charlotte lovely Thank section you. right near plaza midwood love it Oh, it's gorgeous. It's just gorgeous. love it. Great barbecue place around here, too, which is good. <laughs> I'll call you up next time I come. Hey, you're more than welcome. Um, well, we are coming. <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, I have to also congratulate you on an amazing film you were just a part of, Amsterdam, which was just, oh. uh, I mean, my wife and I, hey, let's check this out. And, and all of a sudden, we just were blown away. I mean, those three were amazing. Mr. De Niro, yourself. I mean, geez, what a cast. It was amazing. Well, thank you so much. I love doing every second of that. I mean, you know, De Niro and I started out together. He's a little older than me, but we were both, you know, part of the whole scene in New York at the time. And I was in school with Harvey Keitel. I remember when ministry uh. happened and Harvey had a little sticker on the bulletin board looking for people to do props and stuff like that, uh. you know. I was in a theater company and I thought, I do theater. But, you know, I, I to be able to play his wife and boy, that character is very different than Carlotta. Oh, so. most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of a fun thing to have both of them at the same time or, you know, close together. And I love David O. Russell. I mean, I just had a blast with him. What a wild, crazy, wonderful director. It was oh, that's great. So good you liked it. Oh, I love that movie. It was just so good. And uh, boy, what a cast. And period piece you got to wear period clothes and oh, and everything yeah. so yeah, yeah was that, was, that was a lot of fun that was i just can't believe we've done all this work during covid it's just a miraculous yeah thing. thank it god really, for our unions because they really and you know amc was so their health and safety is, yeah because i've worked a lot in covid and they are by far i i felt safe every single second of every day i mean they're oh, really that's good, good. They it's really good. care about those people. It's amazing. Very impressive. Great. Well, great part for you. Love to see what you're doing with her. And I left it with the last episode, which aired just as after, just as before we taped this. And uh, looking forward to seeing what happens next. And uh, I, I told my wife after screening and I go, hey, this the show just went up a notch here. So. Oh, that's so wonderful. Thank you. Well, I look forward to seeing you in the Queen City. My friend, uh, Julie Cobb, Lee Cobb's 
daughter lives in Yes, that's right. That's right. She's my good friend. If you run into her, tell her that I said my love to her. I actually believe she was in a Star Trek episode at one time. Yes, she was. My daughter (laughs) was on Star Trek Discovery for two seasons. Oh, cool. That's She was Laurel. I don't know if you follow. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. I've actually met her uh, in New York for Comic-Con. Oh, you do? Yeah, she was a great Klingon, a great Klingon. Oh, well, I'll tell her you said hello then. I will. I will. She was terrific. She would send her regards to you. That's (laughs) right. As she would say, kaplock. Yeah, that's right. She sure would. <laughs> well, great to talk to you. Obviously, acting runs in the family, and, and the genes are pretty good there, too. So right. great to talk to you. Best of luck, and looking forward to seeing anything that you're in. Thank you so much, and see you then. All right. Ann Rice's Mayfair Witches is on AMC and AMC+. Plus. Check out my other podcast episodes on Ann Rice's Mayfair Witches. It's available at Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening to Sci-Fi Talk. I'm Tony Tolado.